We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Raising it. Zach Levine. Does it again. The crossover. Levine. Get out, get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast around the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. We have a special guest with us to discuss the Bulls. That's Matt, a.k.a. your friendly Bulls blogger, the guy who does everything is what your title used to be, at Bloggable, uh, a legend in the game, and we are honored to have him on the podcast today. But uh, before we get into the Bulls, I think we should talk about a few old Bulls showing out in a game we just all watched. The Knicks tying up their first-round series against the Hawks, 101-92. God, it feels dirty to root for the Knicks, doesn't it? But honestly, I'm getting sucked into it. I have been this entire second half of the season. Uh, Tom Thibodeau calling the shots 10 years after he first came to the Bulls and led them to the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Thibodeau totally resurrecting the Knicks, a team projected to be perhaps the worst team in the NBA coming into the season by the Las Vegas Lions. Instead, they get home court advantage in the playoffs with the four seed. Uh, Knicks looked like they were on life support in this game. I thought that, uh, you know, their season might be coming to what looks like a likely end. Uh, they were down double digits in the second quarter against Atlanta. They stormed back in the second half. Hawks couldn't make a shot. D. Rose just goes crazy, scores a game-high 26. Taj Gibson on the floor, closing it out. It was just like old times, guys. It was pretty incredible to watch that. Yeah, and first of all, thanks for having me on again. Uh, feels good to be back. And, yeah, I was also pretty blatantly rooting for the Knicks that whole game. And it, it looked like, especially, yeah, when they went down 10 in the second half, it was like maybe that uh, that story of like a Tibbs team underperforming in the playoffs was going to rear its ugly head again. And, and, and But looking at like the roster he has, it's just it just even if it was like a playoff disappointment, it would just speak to like how good he is as a coach to get a team with that roster into that four seed like home court advantage in the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, you see at the end of the game they got like retreads. Not not only Derrick Rose uh, his renaissance, but you know Reggie Bullock and Alec Burks are on the wings there. It's like he's pick they're picking off these guys up the scrap heat and. Uh, Tibbs has them balling out, and it, it's great that they have a they got a win there because now it's a series, and so that it'll be, it looks like it's going to be a fun series. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think Taj was like a plus 22. I, mean, I looked at the box score. It was like basically like an old Bulls box score. D-Rose led the team in scoring with, I think, 26, 20, something like that. Taj was like a plus 22 off the bench, had off, offensive rebounds, uh, had like three steals. I think I think he had a couple blocks. So just like throwing it back to the old Bulls days. And just like and a, a similar kind of like game. Just like duck. Yeah, last, dunk uh, at the end. So but just like, duck, Taj, yeah. classic. Yeah. yeah, just the grinded out, just like obviously low scoring game. Uh it felt a lot like a fucking old Bulls game. So it was, uh, it's definitely been kind of nostalgic watching that. And so, uh, and I mean, and just, I can't believe Taj, like, had, Taj was still playing so well. And obviously with Rose, too. But, I mean, Rose has had his moments the last couple of years. Like, Taj, I feel like I thought he was, like, totally dead, like, going to be out of the league. And what is he, like, 35, 36 now? But he's playing huge minutes and, and playing closing time for the next Yeah, he was, he was unsigned until uh, after the new year, and they picked him back up. So yeah, yeah, pretty remarkable that he's yeah. he's on the floor in crunch time in these games. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's absolutely just like crazy. you know, Thibodeau can trust him. Uh, yeah. Mitchell Robinson gets hurt. Noel gets elevated to starting center. They have the opportunity for someone to establish themselves as the backup center. You think Tibbs is going to play Obi Toppin over Todd Gibson? <laughs> Todd could be 45 years old. Tibbs yeah. would still send him out there over a rookie. I honestly thought that they were going to try to bring back Joakim Noah in a point too, but they already amnestied Noah. So has yeah. the team ever brought back someone they amnestied? Uh, I, think? I don't know. I remember the Bulls brought back. I know the Bulls like waved Tim Thomas twice. They brought him. They they waved him, and then like they bought his contract, and then a couple years later they got him in another trade, and then bought him out again. I remember that, but I don't know if they've ever like done like an amnesty. If there's been an amnesty casualty that's come back to the team, but yeah, I mean no, I mean you could see like how Tibbs would like want. Uh, Taj on the floor, obviously, and maybe even Noah, just guys who, like, knows what he wants to do on the floor, and that, like, supersedes, like, anything that Tibbs could ask for. I mean, as long as, like, you know what you're doing, if you're prepared and you play hard, that's, like, that's the Tibbs motto. That's, like, really what, uh, that's all it takes to get on the floor with him. And it looks like Tibbs might have finally pulled the plug on Alfred Keith Bogans Payton tonight uh, after <laughs> yeah, playing yeah. Five, five more ineffective minutes to start the game. Uh, so Rose and Taj started the second half. Uh, I hope that Peyton is done for this. Like, just don't play him anymore. But it's been just so hilarious that it's literally been like the same thing, even like more, like more uh, to a like crazy degree. Because I think last game it was four minutes to start each half, and that was it. Bogans would usually get to like what, like fifteen, sixteen, maybe even up to like eighteen minutes uh, in in those games. And like Peyton's been even, it's just been even worse. Like I said, like four or five minutes to start start each half, and like that's it. That's been hilarious. Bogans had like that magic line where it was like if he scored six points, yeah. the Bulls were like undefeated, and yeah. Alfred Payton can't get to that. So, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, but I will say just a quick shot. I think he would probably be the best point guard on the Bulls right now. <laughs> Alfred, Alfred Payton was on the team this year. Well, that is oh, a God. perfect segue. Let's let's talk about the Bulls. <laughs> now, let's talk about our Chicago Bulls. Uh, obviously, as everybody knows, they did not make the postseason. They did not make the play-in. They did not make the playoffs. Either way. Uh, disappointing after the Vucevic trade. Uh, I think we were all excited. I mean, I know, uh, Matt, you like yeah. that they that they got aggressive. They made a move. We were asking for them to do something, try to commit to something, and they did it. They made that big trade. They made the other one to get Daniel Tice and Troy Brown Jr. and all of that. But then for all the reasons that we've talked about ad nauseum on this pod, they didn't make it and all that. So I guess just just in general off the start, where is your head at with this team, with that trade? Do you still like it? Has anything shifted for you after them after they kind of blew their opportunity to get in the postseason? Yeah, well, I, I think like watching the playoffs, especially like that raucous like New York crowd. I mean, I don't I don't think there's any shame in like 
quote unquote like going for the four seed or like going for mediocrity. I think it would be awesome if the Bulls were mediocre right now and they were in a playoff game. Like that would be like thrilling to watch playoff Bulls basketball now, as opposed to what we've seen the past few years after the Butler trade. So I so I applaud the the sentiment of like going for it. So in that like it's it's fair to judge after the fact that they didn't make it. I mean I know Vooch is signed for two more seasons, but part of that trade was. You know, let's get into the play-in mix now uh, to try and get some uh, momentum heading into the offseason of, like, making the Bulls a destination uh, free agent place to go to. So the fact that it didn't happen, I mean, that that's – it's definitely a negative part of the trade. And it also – it bumps up the, the trade package that we sent to Orlando because now they have the eighth pick potentially um, as opposed to, like, a uh, out-of-the-lottery pick if the Bulls made the playoffs. So – I mean, it, it just, like, stinks all around, but I, I still get the motivation for it. I'm still um, – was happy they did it at the time, but it's definitely – I mean, we don't – I mean, making these trades is not, like, about, like, pleasing blog boys on the trade <laughs> deadline. It's about, you know, actually, like, achieving your – like, achieving results, and they didn't make the play-in. That, that's a that's a failure uh, beyond any other, like, measure, so – it was still like a good idea to do the trade, but so far it's it's not worked out. I don't think there's any debate about that. Now we'll see. I still think there is like good feelings about the team going to uh, this off season. I think a lot of like what we wanted to see heading into like the Carnosaurus era was just getting the uh, perception of the Bulls like better around the league so that players would actually want to come and play here. Um, I think in getting Vucevic and, and Zach Levine's elevation, like even even though they didn't make the playoffs and they're not like in the national conversation now, I still think they're they're seen as a better situation than if they didn't uh, acquire Vucevic and and also still didn't make the play-in, or if they went turned the other way and started uh, trading off guys and you know uh, even trading Levine potentially and tanking. So I think it's a better path than that, but. It's still a disappointment that they didn't make it this year because, I mean, now, like, the pressure is, like, even on more so to, to do it next year. And hopefully that this, like, lack of making the playoffs this year didn't hurt them in terms of player acquisition. Yeah, we spent so much time talking about the Knicks at the start of the podcast, but the team that the Bulls really try to copy going into next season is the Hawks. And I guess Levine is Trey Young in this scenario. The Hawks traded for Capella. Uh, but then he didn't play at all, debuted this year, uh, maybe somewhat similar to Vucevic, totally different types of players, but roughly maybe the same level of productivity. Uh, and then the Hawks had this young core that they meant to grow around Trey with Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, uh, so many other guys. And then they were like, eh, actually, what we're going to do is go get a bunch of veterans. Let's get Gallo. Let's get Bogdanovich. Uh, let's get Chris Dunn. Tony Snell, <laughs> let's get Chris. for some reason, too. Uh, so... You know, they reloaded in the offseason. They had a lot of cap space. They made a lot of moves and, you know, jumped up to the number five seed in the conference. If the Bulls could follow that path next year, that would be super dope. I think we can all agree on that. The problem with that, this, though, is that the Bulls, I feel like, have sort of limited avenues for how to go about acquiring significantly better players. For one, it's not a very good free agent class. For two, uh, they don't have all that much cap space, especially after taking Al Farouk Aminu, his $10 million contract, mm-hmm. uh, which is an expiring deal heading into this next season. But, you know, if you want to be a cap space team, that is a pretty big hindrance on what you could do in terms of going after free agents. 
their asset package for trades is limited after they deal two picks for Vucevic. And all of the existing young players on the team might not be any good. Uh, we, I think we're all relatively high on Patrick Williams. We could probably get into Patrick Williams a little bit later. He's probably their most enticing trade chip. You also have Kobe White. I mean, Markkanen is like, might not be worth anything at this point. Uh, we've never known what Lowry Markkanen's trade value exactly is. We've discussed it ad nauseum for four years. But it certainly feels like it's at the lowest point it's ever been, if nothing else. So just sort of going into this offseason, like, what is a good realistic expectation for what the Bulls can do, given that, you know, they don't have all that much? Your favorite word, Matt, I got to say it, flexibility. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's part of this boots trade is, like, not only that they, like, failed to make the postseason, but now they've kind of, like, the opportunity cost of having these assets for someone else, someone better potentially, that's gone. Like, they used – their picks, they use two picks and they can't trade the 22 pick uh, because of the stepping rule. So those are out. They, you know, Wendell Carter's gone as a potential trade ship. And yeah, so now they're, and they've ate into so much cap space with Vucevic's contract and taking in Aminu, which is kind of like a under-discussed, like underrated part of that trade as a, as a negative for the Bulls that they had to take, the, they didn't have to take that Aminu contract. That was like a negotiation by the Magic to say, hey, like we're giving you uh, Vucevic, you have to also take this expiring contract. Uh, so that makes the deal look a little bit worse, and it does impact their their cap space because, the Haw- as you mentioned, the Hawks, because Trey Young was on a rookie contract, uh, they were able to generate more cap space. And, you know, in terms of, like, the free agent class, you know, Bogdanovich and Gallinari are not, would be, like, mid-level free agents. Uh, not from the mid-level exception, but they would be out of that top tier of free agents in this class, too. So it's... it's it's not really fair to say like, well, the Bulls can't get like uh, a top free agent because those guys weren't top free agents either. Uh, but they don't have the avenues in terms of cap space to get um, like to sign those guys outright. So yeah, it's difficult. And I'm I'm kind of like hoping. Well, I was going into this trade deadline with like extremely low expectations because I thought um, Karnasovas like really botched his first offseason in, in basically doing nothing besides signing Garrett Temple and like declaring that this was like an evaluation season I thought that was like totally the wrong move and not only from like a lack of ambition standpoint but I think it it also hurt the team on the court not to get like a real point guard um and I think we're seeing that with like we could we could talk about this later but like seeing how like Daniel Gaffords flourished in in Washington with a real point guard like how the lack of point guard play in the Bulls has kind of hurt like some of their trade assets but I'm hoping like well they totally surprised me at the trade deadline by going for like going balls out for Vucevic. So maybe, maybe they can make it happen in this, in this off season, even with not like max cap space. Hopefully this team turns into like the Miami heat almost where like, they don't even care if they have cap space. They just get a guy and say like, this guy's coming here and then they work it out. Sign a trade. So I'm kind of hoping. Yeah. Like through Yeah. Through a sign trade, we can use all remarketing. I don't think marketing has any value outside of his uh, outgoing salary really at this point. Cause if, if a team is trading for marketing, they're not only getting him as the player, they're getting him at his market rate, which will be, yeah. who knows, maybe over $15 million uh, a season. So um, it's kind of just like, it's kind of like uh, hoping and praying that they can yeah. get this kind of like big splash in the off season. Cause you know, if you look at it from like a practical sense, it, it'll be tough. It, 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 he kind uh Karnasov was kind of, kind of um, like shot his best shot, like at the trade deadline. And so now it's like going to be even harder. 
And I think, like, looking at all these playoff teams, it just shows how the Bulls, like, while they have Vucevic and Levine, I mean, they still need so many more pieces. They have, they have such a, like, lack of talent up and down the roster. They haven't developed the back end of the roster, so they don't really have any, like, young prospects that can potentially soak up minutes. Um, you know, we mentioned marketing is probably gone. Kobe White's been middling. But they have – they need, like, three wings probably this <laughs> offseason to round out the rotation. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be tough to get, like, that many pieces. Um, it's – or to get like one big piece and try to fill in the rest with minimums. It's, it's going to be difficult. So I guess my, like to answer my expectations are they're, they're low, but my, they were also low heading into the trade deadline and they surprised me. So I'm kind of like hoping I get surprised with like a big move in this off season. Are there any names that uh, have crossed your mind if they do try to make a big move? I mean, we've talked about Kyle Lowry. Uh, yeah. I think we've talked about like Conley. We've talked about if the Pacers blow things up, if they can, I don't know if they have the assets to trade for Malcolm Brogdon. But, uh, I mean, with just the point guard stuff. I mean, you talk about the Bulls did not have a good point guard. They did not address point guard. They had Kobe, Sato, and fucking Ryan Archdiakono. Yeah. Uh, clearly, they could use a point guard upgrade. So anybody that you are you think that they should go after, try to make some a big move like that with a point guard? Yeah, I, I, I'm I mean, hoping Lonzo's that they're not – Yeah, I, I'm hoping that they're not tied to – this like we have to like keep like a young timeline and I and I think with the acquisition of Vucevic that he's 30 I don't think they are thinking that yeah. so I think yeah go go after Kyle Lowry uh or Kyle or Mike Conley um like pay for pay outright for a unrestricted free agent who might be on the older side but you don't really have like a it's not like this team has like some championship timeline that we have to align right. with they just need to get like solid lead guard play to help the rest of the team but also, they need they need wing play too, so it's yeah. it's difficult to know like what to what to prioritize. I don't know like the top wings out in the free agent market, but maybe it turns out that the Bulls make their big acquisition by trade. They can, you know, they have yes, they don't have a lot of uh, outright cap space, but Aminu making ten million, uh, Thad Young fourteen, uh, Sadaransky at ten, Troy Brown five. They have lots of like tradable pack, uh, yeah. contracts that they can package, and maybe take on a guy who's making long-term money that a team will just be happy to get rid of for, for expiring deals. Like that's possible that they can. Uh, and I haven't like looked around to see like, who could they possibly yeah. get? And I, I think we know like going, it's, it's actually kind of early thinking about the off season because so much can change in the playoffs. Like maybe the Clippers flame out and all of a sudden like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard are on the table. And in, in terms of someone uh, like even conceivably gettable. So I think like those, those avenues can open, and that's part of the reason why it was such a big risk for uh, to make this deadline deal for Vucevic, uh, because it's always better to make these deals like before the season, so that you have so then they don't have these. They've had this like excuse since the Vucevic deal about the lack of practice time yeah. and how it discombobulated the roster. Well, okay, I mean they, maybe there's something to that. I think that I think they've leaned on that a little bit too much, especially. Uh, considering they also like to tout how how great Billy Donovan is, so like why couldn't he overcome this like roster reconstruction at the, in the middle of the season to get to the tenth seed of the like worst conference? JV but, conference. Yeah, it's like a pretty like meager goal. But I think going into this off season, like okay, well then make your big splash now, and then you have like a full training camp and preseason, and, and you can and you can move forward. Uh, so I. So, I don't really have any like the, the free agent names are out there, but I think there could be names that we don't even think of now that that pop up later in the off season. Yeah, I guess you talked a lot about the point guard need, and this can just be a general discussion. You you did hint at it briefly already, but like 
Do you think the bigger priority should be point guard or wing? Or just the likely answer, I guess, is best available talent is probably <laughs> what they need. And yeah. when they acquired Vucevic, uh, it seemed pretty obvious to me that, like, now the goal is just to get a third star. Uh, what sucks about how this season played out is that, you know, even if they were to get a third star, they need to really, like, develop the end of the bench. And what they did this year should have been totally fucking unacceptable, quite frankly. Keeping Felicio on the team, keeping Denzel on the team, keeping Archie Diacono on the team. Are either of those three guys going to get an NBA contract going into next season? I think that's a major question mark. Uh, you know, I would have loved to see Devin Dotson just get a chance to see if you have something there. They decided not to do that. So I do think it's going to be fascinating just beyond, like, what they do with their big move. Uh, as you mentioned, they need five guys, probably, yeah. five new guys this offseason at minimum. Yeah, so I guess and, I, and, and I was – yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was harping on that, like, all season, like – how they how they were refusing to address the back of the bench, like even like when they were going into the season with these. In guys the off, last contract. off season, we were complaining about right. It. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just like this, like just because they were under contract and they were taking a roster spot, that made it like they, they were locked in. Like there was no, it was just like uh, thought of as like there was no way that they would release them and just eat the money and sign new guys just to try them out. So they could have gone. Multiple and especially after the deadline when they were right. okay now we're going for the playoffs why didn't they sign like a veteran player to help out when the inevitable happened where they were actually pretty lucky when it came to COVID and injury uh, absences and then Levine goes down for two weeks and then um, there's other injuries with Garrett Temple and all of a sudden you have to play these guys at the end of the bench when you could have brought in someone who could you know soak up some minutes at like a, a capable veteran player so they could have gone that route. Or they could have gone the developmental route with, you know, and you could argue they already had those pieces in like Devin Dotson and they just refused to play them. Um, they didn't use their G League roster this year. That I think they sent Dotson to the bubble, but they didn't have like their own team down there. Uh, so, and, and that's key not only for this season, but going into next year when we're talking about like using, potentially using cap space or using like the mid-level on one guy, and then you have to fill in all these other guys. Well, that's usually done through you know, the back end coming up and like on, on these like rookie contracts, on these minimum contracts. And now instead you're going to have to, you, you don't know what you have. That's another old Paxton gem too. Like they could legitimately <laughs> say like, we don't know what we have in Devin Dawson. So we don't know if he could be the third point guard for the minimum uh, or like on a two way deal. Uh, so, so it really, they really kind of complicated it further for themselves by not, go like not like trying to like churn, like do some roster churn to get some developmental pieces like in the pipeline uh it was really a failure by Carnesovis and I and you can't help but wonder uh, kind of similar to the Boylan fiasco how he wasn't fired for two months like is it because of uh, Carnesovis not not like operating properly or because ownership is like tying his hands a bit neither answer is good um but I I can't help but wonder like Carnesovis with this like Scouting background, you know, a, a bunch of guys were signed out of Europe this year, uh, including after the trade deadline. Uh, like, why wasn't Carsovas in on those guys? Maybe he was, and ownership told him, like, well, we're not adding any more payroll this year, and you can't even, like, at the minimum, we're not going to, like, uh, pay Felicio to go away or, or, or Denzel or Archie Giacomo, so you have to just, like, deal with the open roster spots you have, and they didn't have any. I hope – I mean, I, I don't know what's what's a better, like – 
cop out if it's because ownership tied his hands or because he or because Connor Silver's like doesn't have the they're not like at that level where they're like trying where they're trying guys out but it's it's not a good it's not good I mean it's a minor thing relatively but it all kind of adds up and especially going into uh, an offseason where you need like five guys it would be nice if you could you could say like okay well one of these guys is going to be um even like Javante Green or something like It'll it'll be him. We know we can count on him for rotation minutes next year, but we don't know if we can count on like any of these guys. Right. Yeah. I, like the Knicks uh, signed some European guy. I know he's he's not yeah. playing this season, but like he he's one. The Nets signed Mike James from uh, he was playing over in Europe. I mean, obviously the Nets they're gonna. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have people t- guys will want to go there, but I mean that's uh, the Pacers. I think when did they sign that? Br- yeah, they, Shaver they, said, they, dude, who was kill- like killed a it. huge uh, playing game. Yeah. yeah, and I mean he was really good for them then the season. I mean, and like Austin Rivers, I think is another name. Obviously, again the Nuggets are good. Uh, so I mean it makes sense if he wants to go to a playoff team. But like there are a lot of examples where, and I totally forgot. I was looking at like their salary cap thing the other day. They used their hat like half their mid level on Garrett Temple. They did not use the rest of it, and they did not use their biannual exception this year. Like yep. that doesn't make any either. sense because they had a full roster with fucking Felicio eating up eight million and Archdiacono. Like not using those those exceptions when just in general, it's like that's bad. It's just a bad way to to uh, whatever manage the rest. Yeah, of the or roster. even their one of their two way spots went to Anna Makoka, who was a from the prior regime too. Like, do they have? Do they want to? They're probably just going to let him go and. No one will care, but it's like if if they were just going to let him go, then why not let him go this year and get right. someone else in that two way spot? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, yeah, we we harped on it. You harped on it. I mean, just going back to the, to the last off season, just the lack of activity in general. Obviously, the fact that they made those trades helped kind of make up for that somewhat. But the lack of, I mean, the stuff on the fringes does matter, especially when you're trying to get from shitty as hell to at least mediocre, like. I mean, maybe the end of the roster doesn't matter when you're like playing for a championship and you're. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're if you come in, yeah, if you're Carter Silvis and you come in and you hire guys and you tell the world like we're going to be a player development franchise. Um, okay, I mean, to me that kind of just says like we're going to be a cheap franchise. But <laughs> if that's what you want to do, then like part of player development is not just your first round picks or your lottery picks. It's getting these guys like on free agency, uh, the undrafted types, um, two way players. Like trying to get some cheap prospects to to fill in those rotation spots, so that you can spend um, on the future, and for bigger pieces. And part of it was also they 
they thought they were a player development franchise by essentially gifting uh, Kobe White and Patrick Williams starter starter roles and huge minutes. Well, that kind of like tanked the team. The, the more they played, the worse the Bulls were, and no fault of their own. I mean, it doesn't really uh, mean anything in terms of them as like their future prospects. If you're a young player, you're good, and playing a ton of minutes, you're probably going to be a bad team uh, because with those minutes out there. So, I mean, to have that going into the season and basically saying like Kobe White's our starting point guard, and we have no real capable like backup. Like, Sadoransky's more like a, a wing backup, I would say, than a, a true point guard backup. To to put all that on Kobe White and then call it, like, player development, <laughs> not only did it hurt White, I think, as a player, I think it hurt, like, other members of the team because they didn't have capable point guard play. And then to, like, switch it halfway through the season to say, okay, now we're uh, a Vucevic and Levine team. Like, we're in our prime. We're going for it now. Kobe White, and even before the trade, Kobe White got sent to the bench. And Thad Young played more and more. And it's like what – it was just very bizarre to have this, like, Karnatovas come in and say all this stuff about being, like, a young player development team. And then totally – and then, like, scrap that midway through his first season to say, okay, now we're going to be, like, a destination region. And, and I actually, like, prefer that. Is like, you know, we're the Chicago Bulls. We shouldn't be, yeah. like, like trying to, uh, like, slowly develop these guys into, like, a – a core that'll like, you know, spend like eight years with a team and like grow and make the playoffs. Like let's, let's get some, let's get some all-stars in here and let's make the playoffs. Now I'm fine with that, but it just, it's bizarre that it was like a, a twist, like midway through his first season. Yeah, Part I, of it might be because Carter Jones doesn't like to like show his hands. So maybe he was just lying when he said yeah. like he cared about player development uh, that much. But I think like his midseason trade coupled with, not like developing the back end of the roster there. It just shows like a totally different ethos than what he said he was going to come in as. And he's hopefully a, like a big game hunter. And hunter, he's going to yeah. like use this off season to, to get like that third star. And that, yeah. that'd be great. I, if he, if he gets it done then all that, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. I'm, I also am curious, like how much it just had to do with like Levine taking the leap and like being awesome in the first half. And like, and obviously with his unrestricted free agency coming up, they could sign it. They could offer extension stuff this off season as well, which I was just going to segue into that. Just talk about Zach in general. He had an awesome season. Like I know, and it was a bummer that he missed the 11 games with COVID, but um, he was one of the best scorers in the league this year. So him like leveling up I, and like the other guys just, but the lineup like still being bad and him hit with his future, maybe being in doubt. I do wonder if that kind of played into it as well. It's like, you know, like we need to get a guy who can help him win now. So I do wonder if that played a role in it. But, uh, I mean, I think I've come around a lot on Zach. I think, I mean, a lot of the fan bases, he's always been fun. Uh, I mentioned, like, the extension stuff, and we've talked about – you wrote about it at Bloggable. Uh, they can offer him the base extension, which he's not taking. It's, not, it's like four years, 105. They can use cap space to offer him, like, 30-some million a year, which maybe he would take it. I kind of still think he wants to go under trades and get, like, a full max if possible. So, it's just in general, your thoughts on Zach being – I mean, I guess – we, he's still flawed, obviously, but Zach is like the the number one guy on this team. So the leap he made, what you think they should do with him moving into the future, and if you think that they should uh, keep him around long term. I mean, obviously they're not trading him this off season. Definitely not asking stuff like that. They made the trade for Vooch. I think they're going to go see at least. We'll see if they, what they do with the extension stuff. But I guess just Zach and his future and your thoughts on him. Yeah. I- I mean, certainly he made a leap. I, I'm I've been a slow like believer in in Zach as like a superstar as well. So I mean, 
and he proved me he proved me wrong because every year he keeps improving. So it's like you know if he does if he he improved in his shot making, he improved a little bit as a defender and as a playmaker, and that's all you could ask for. It's like if you keep poking holes in his game and he gets better at those holes you're you're poking, then I mean I can only expect that next year he's going to be better at those other areas where he's still deficient. Um, it, it's kind of like it's kind of goofy to like get into like what makes like a, a, a one superstar right. or one a, I mean, in terms of like the money he's going to make, he's going to make max money. I mean, there's, there's just no way around that. So it, it's really just, if you're going to pay him, if you're going to pay him or if someone else is going to pay him that max, like he's going to get that money. Um, and I think he's, even if he doesn't like round out his game fully, I, if he scores at, at this rate and he kind of tailed off a little bit in the second half, uh, and of course, he he sprained his ankle and then got uh, the COVID diagnosis, so that didn't help. But um, so it's possible that that first half of of the season was just like, and like offense was up around the league, so it's kind of like grading on a curve that his his scoring was you know the whole league was scoring more, so his scoring wasn't like as impressive like when judged against the entirety of the league. But it was still, I mean, if he improves off of that, I mean, then I mean. That, He's, he's already a fantastic player and that that just makes him like, of course you're going to keep him and max him out and do everything like stuff like the Vucevic acquisition to make him happy uh, to keep him here. And and maybe that was part of it that, that Carson didn't think he had a star and then he realized midway through the season, oh yes I do. And it's, and it's Zach Levine. Um, so I, so I'm comfortable paying him that max because I figure like that's the way it, he's going to get that money from the bulls or someone else. And I'm, kind of tired I'm not going to like the choice of paying Zach Levine uh 30 million dollars or not having Zach Levine right. on the team like that's the not Jimmy, Jimmy thing kind like of all over the choice yeah. Of, yeah. right yeah and and we should the the Bulls should not be in the business of like letting talent uh walk like that and I think at, at this point you're not going to get like a good uh trade return for him in the final final year of his kind maybe if you did in this offseason but you're not so then we're talking like next trade deadline and it probably would be a limited trade market if you're if you're trading Zach midseason, um, and then if you're trading Zach, you have to like trade Vucevic. I mean, like the whole the whole thing like you're blowing it up. So I think yeah. they're keeping them. Yeah, they're keeping them. And I think from from Levine's perspective, yeah, it's maybe he takes uh, a little bit less uh, in terms of like he gets his max extension early. Um, it's a it's a four year deal instead of waiting a year and getting a, the five year max. You know. Maybe he thinks deep down he can make like the All NBA team and I, I get a uh, a super max designation and that's more percentage of the cap. So it's possible he doesn't want to take the the early money. Uh, it's also it's also a dicey proposition for the Bulls to even offer it because to to offer it they have to get to like 14 million in cap space to offer it. Um, now to do that they'd have to let pretty much everyone all their all, all their um, unrestricted guys go and that's that's no big loss except like Daniel Tice so you'd have to basically say he's gone um I think they could keep Sadoransky Thad Young and then maybe like use them and I mean his contract and maybe make trades they could still sign and trade marketing but what that precludes them from doing is using their free uh cap space in free agency so you're no longer going to be able to sign a free agent outright if you use your cap space on Levine uh, so there's there's like three paths. I know like Stefano did a good good piece last week about like the, the two passables could go down, whether they want to be a cap space team, whether they want to operate as an over-the-cap team, 
The difference being, you know, if they operate as over the cap, that means they keep a lot of their guys and they have like some, look, there's less guys that they have to get because they'll have that young in the fold. They'll have Sederanski in the fold. Those are just like fewer acquisitions that they have to make. But they do have a middle path, which would be if they keep all their veterans and then re-sign Zach Levine, and then you have like a room exception, and then you could still do trades. Uh, that's not ideal. It'd probably be easier to make an acquisition, um, like even Lonzo Ball acquisition, if they have cap space versus being capped out and, and then just using like Lowry Markkinen and like some salary filler. So it, it's a tough proposition. I think what they'll probably do is that they will try to go. I mean, a lot of the, we know like in the NBA, a lot of this stuff is already being yeah. like discussed. Yeah. So they're gonna know yeah. heading in the free agency who might come there. Um, so hopefully they, if, if, and if someone is coming, then they will do everything to like generate, whether it's cap space or a, a trade package to get that player in. Now, if they can't get like a big name player, um, then, then maybe they go, okay, we'll, we'll try to get something done with Zach Levine okay. now. I don't think they're going to go into the off season and like use their cap space right away for Zach Levine yeah. and not have any cap space to fill out the rest of the team. Uh, but it would be – it's an interesting proposition for the Bulls to whether they want to make sure they lock up Levine now or have that risk of Levine walking. Honestly, if they commit to – if Levine stays at this level or, you know, even gets better, I don't think it's going to be an issue to offer him a five-year max. Super max or whatever. From Bulls yeah. standpoint, and he's going to take that yeah. um, because it'll be the most – it'll be more than any other team can offer. And it seems like he, he wants to play in Chicago – uh, like like Jimmy Butler did, to be honest. So, um, so really, there isn't too much risk in letting Zach walk. Um, it, 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 he would walk if the season was out to be a disaster, which would mean like a bunch of other stuff went wrong. Yeah. Anyway, so and in that case, maybe you're blow, you're legit blowing it up from right, there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the, we were talking about Kobe and Patrick Williams and the kind of the player development stuff. Let's so let's uh, let's turn to those two guys then. I guess just the the Bulls young players. Uh, I think we all think Lowry is basically done here, so I think we want to focus on Kobe and Pat. Uh, I guess let's start with let's start with Kobe since he's been in the league a couple of years now. What do you think his future is with Bulls in the NBA? Do you think he can he'll be the starting point guard? I mean, I think we talked about they need an upgrade. Do you think? I, I think we've talked we've talked about a lot. Obviously, that he's probably better as like a six man gunner type, but uh, I don't want to like cap his ceiling at that. He showed some improvement, I guess, towards the end of the year. I mean, he did that last year too, or like he all of a sudden caught fire at the end of last year and this year he had a few good games as well. So. I guess just yeah with Kobe because he he was real frustrating at a lot of times this year. Obviously he says he th- got thrown in the fire, and then when he was benched like like right before the deadline he was playing really poorly off the bench, and then he did start to play a little better when Zach was out. So really frustrating year. He showed some flashes, but I mean you want to obviously see him. He needs to be better if he's going to be a long term cornerstone of this team. So where are you at on Kobe White? Uh, I'll kind of throw it back to you guys because, I mean, you mentioned his improvement uh, in the second half, and I've I've seen this, like, out there. Uh, I think Carter Silvers mentioned it. Billy Donovan might have mentioned it. And then, of course, like, Casey Johnson picked it up. And now it's just kind of, like, seen as just, like, established fact that Kobe White improved um, after the trade deadline. And I'm not I'm not so sure. I mean, may, I haven't looked at the his numbers, and maybe yeah. they have improved. Um, and he certainly got that starting job back. 
and and that helps. Any but I mean, to me, like you were saying, like a lot of these games at the end of the season, these are like junk games where where teams are either giving up or they're you know tanking for playoff position, or you know they have injuries and guys out. And I try not to like buy too much into any like individual performance in the in the last like group of games, but I think it does uh, speak to the possibility that maybe. Um, Kobe White's a better fit with Vucevic um, than he was on the team without Vucevic because uh, Vuce can like be can take some of that playmaking burden uh, off of the the point guard and so so it's possible that like it's it's not even so much that whether Kobe White's better uh, starting or off on the bench it's more is Kobe White better on the ball or off the ball and I think like we want to say like okay well if we get a point guard then he's off the ball. Uh, but also he could he could play in lineups with Levine and Vucevic and be off the ball more, and that might be how he's more unlocked to be effective. And that kind of does, like, bring into the offseason, like, so is point guard then that big of a – because, I mean, they obviously need a point guard as a backup at, like, bare minimum. Um, but potentially they could go into next season with Kobe White as the point guard, figuring that he's going to not be on the ball so much with Vucevic, like, handing a lot, uh, handling a lot in the – in the post and Levine like expanding his playmaking. So to where, you know, maybe like obviously Levine played worse earlier in the season, but maybe the acquisition of Vucevic is what, what unlocked him more than, you know, what I'm suspecting where it's just like end of the season, like junk ball that, that, that made him better. Ricky, yeah, thoughts hit, we've talked about that. Yeah. Ricky, go ahead. He did hit 41% of his threes in May on nine attempts per game. So yeah. I kind of think that that's sort of the vision for him is just being a super high-volume three-point shooter. And I think I've said this a couple times on the show, but, like, one thing I've noticed this year is that NBA basketball, the three-point volume just, like, overwhelms everything else. Like if you can't get up threes at a super high clip and knock them down at a high clip, you're playing at such a disadvantage in today's NBA. And, you know, you mentioned offenses being up around the league. I think a stat I saw is that last season the Mavericks – posted the most efficient offensive rating of all time. And this year, six teams topped that mark. So it just shows, like, just how much the offense has leveled up this year for, you know, potentially a variety of reasons. Uh, Kobe just, I think, has to be that sort of high-volume shooter and hopefully a more accurate shooter, too, because, you know, similar to Markman, here's a guy with a reputation of being, like, a really good shooter. It hasn't really borne out in the numbers yet. So when people talk about what Kobe needs to improve on, obviously he needs to improve his ball handling. He needs to improve his decision-making. He needs to improve his strength. He needs to become a more impactful defensive player all around and a higher IQ player. So he has quite a bit to work on, but he also needs to just get better at what he's supposed to be good at in the first place, which is shooting three. So I think we did see that vision uh, in the final month, two months of the season. He had a 58% true shooting percentage, which is a tick above league average this year in April. Uh, so I think he was a little better after the trade deadline. But uh, as you alluded to, I don't think by any means he's someone you should be like pinning your hopes and dreams to heading into the next season, especially during a year that is going to be like really critical just in terms of the judgment of Karnaschovas. Like, is this guy actually going to be a significant upgrade over Garpax or is it kind of going to be more of the same old Reinsdorfian bullshit that we've gotten used to over the last few years? So I think that's really interesting about Kobe, but uh, you know, for your high-volume three-point shooters, you also want them to defend a little bit better than Kobe yeah. White's capable of defending. And part of this is just physical, right? Like, he's not 
big or strong. Uh, he's someone who he's listed 6'5", but I think he has shorter arms. He has a shorter wingspan than his height. Uh, he's, you know, he certainly plays with no force and plays with no power on the court uh, in terms of attacking the basket. I think that's one thing that limits him. Uh, you know, he's not someone who really plays through contact at a high level. So uh, Kobe's an interesting guy because I can make an argument for him and against him really easily. Uh, the majority of the year, I thought that he was a pretty big disappointment, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of getting suckered in to the hot end of the season again, <laughs> which the same shit happened last season, too. He was great to close the season, and then he sucked. Right. The majority right. of the season. So, I don't know. There, there's a lot going on with Kobe, and I really think he could go either way. But but one thing I did want to say is that I do think that Vucevic's passing yeah, that, is a really yeah. pl- pleasant surprise in sort of like how he can uh, – potentially serves the hub of the offense. Or uh, I, I wasn't fully sure of that going in to the trade. Like, I don't think I realized just how good of a passer Vucevic is. And he looked awesome. So maybe that is an avenue where Kobe can uh, unlock a little bit more of his game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, 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 you you talk about the, the way the league's going and, and just... I was going to say, like, you know, having, like, high-volume three-point shooters in Vucevic... Levine and Kobe White, like that's definitely intriguing, especially in today's NBA. But I mean, you have to question like whether that totally outweighs the. Can you have a starting lineup in the NBA where those three guys are on defense? Yeah. I mean, that's so your point of attack guys are going to be White and Levine, and then Vucevic, I think, is actually not too terrible. I mean, you play him in the drop, and the Bulls became like a dominant defensive rebounding team when Vucevic came aboard, which helped their defense. I think they finished the year like. 13 or something? 12 in defensive rating. It's, which, like, blows my mind. I, know. I don't know if, if like, uh, if it was because Levine got hurt at the end. It popped it popped him back. It popped him up. But that, so it's it's interesting to think, like, oh, well, maybe they can just, like, sell out and just go all offense and just, just have – and start with those three guys just pumping up a ton of threes. And then the defense will kind of just – I mean, you'll get – you'll try to get, like, some kind of wing stopper um, at two maybe. And then – you have Thad Young as well as a good defensive player, and then maybe that, and then you kind of just say like, okay, we're an this the Chicago Bulls are going to be like an all offense three point shooting like extravaganza, and we'll just try to be like average to slightly below average on defense, um, and maybe that can work. It'd be fun at least. Yeah, it would, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm, I'm, we could use some fun basketball uh, because it has not been fun for these last four years. Uh, can I move, move to Patrick Williams and that he's obviously uh, his development will be uh, a big key to next season. Uh, we have talked about how we were surprised that he got, and I mean, you mentioned earlier this year about the development thing, him getting the starting role right away over Otto Porter Jr. I know Otto is awful and doesn't play and he's just fat now. Uh, <laughs> what did you call him again? Uh, your nickname for him? Oh man, Otto Portly. That was one. That was it, Otto Portly. That was it. Yes. And uh, uh, another one was Otto Porter Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Patrick Williams started hey, he's a right free away. Agent. They can, they can sign, they can bring him back. Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and he showed some nice things. Like he was like offensively. If you look at those like shooting percentages, they were like steady the entire year. Like. His mid-range was good. His three-point shot was like around 38, 39%, but obviously the volume was the issue. Yeah, the usage, um, right. He just, he, very hesitant. He, uh, every night, every night, Stacey King's talking about Patrick Williams should be the third option. He needs to be more aggressive, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, they talked about it after the season, uh, that Billy Donovan's talked to him about it. He brought it up. 
Uh, I don't know if that's something that would that just coaching, whether that's his m- mindset. I do kind of understand his mindset coming, being like the sixth man from Florida State. Just like that's not really like his thing. That's something he'll, he'll have to grow into. Uh, so I guess just did you like that decision to start him right away? And like, do you, did you like like giving him those those assignments, like all those defensive assignments? He was taking on LeBron. He was taking on Giannis. He was taking on Kawhi. He's guarding Devin Booker like at points of the season. Like mm-hmm. I feel like dudes he had like no business guarding. I mean, you like him embracing the challenge, and like he would always say the right things and all that. But I mean, they were obviously roasting him over and over. That he's a rookie, and uh, that's really this is really tough for a rookie. And we we've kind of talked about like, is that the right way to go? Do you just throw him out there into that fire and give him those kind of reps against superstar players and just like let him sink or swim? And I mean, he had his moments. Uh, he had it on both ends of the court. Like I said, his efficiency was decent. The low volume was low. He had some nice defensive plays. He so he showed some nice defensive instincts. Other times he was getting roasted by stars so did you like the 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 way that Billy used uh Patrick Williams this season and what do you think of him moving forward yeah I mean I I like that he didn't like fall on his face and like it it wasn't like apparent ever this year that oh like Patrick Williams doesn't belong in the the league even as young as he was he was he was still he still like belonged out there on the court on the starting lineup so that's good that's like a good like base to start with um I do think it's it does make you question the coaching and player development that that Patrick Williams didn't really get better as the season went on. Um, so that that's concerning that they they kind of just gave him these minutes and and maintained them and he never really um, improved nor did he get more like aggressive or, or take more shots. And I and I hope it's not a case where he, he becomes like in his head about like well. Um, like coach told me like not to take that, that mid-range shot because yeah. I had those other players who should be taking that shot. Um, I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah, I, he's extremely young. So it's tough to say like, oh, this will like, you know, ruin him for, for the future because he had like some, some struggles in his, in his first season. Um, but I, I do question that philosophy. It is a, it is a definite like philosophy, like whether it is, you know, whether you should just like throw them in to like soak up minutes. Part of it again is the, um, the whole perspective and like mindset of the the franchise, like going into the season by starting White and Williams, they were saying like we're not, they're basically saying like we're not going to be that good. Um, and then when they unsurprisingly weren't that good, and now and then made that trade for Vucevic, I was like, okay, now we're going to go go for that playoff seed. So then then it's like more questionable whether you know, Williams should have been playing that much. If, that, if that's the goal of the team is to make the play-in game, maybe you, you do cut back on Williams' minutes. Um, but again, as long as it doesn't affect him going forward, and I don't it, – it's tough to say, like, someone that young, it'll really, like, like screw him up too badly to say, like, well, you know, we threw you out there to get a ton of minutes, but we also, like, told you not to, you know, got it in your head, like, don't do this, don't do that. Um you know, keep that usage low. Um, as long as he doesn't carry that into next year, it doesn't seem, and like you're saying, Jason, like he, he's saying the right things. He has that, like, he has that guard form and grit mentality, it seems like. So that's all good. Um, it, it'll just be like a case of whether he, like, works on his game in the offseason. Uh, and then maybe he can become, like, a more high-volume high shooter because he'll be more comfortable taking those shots uh, from three-point range, and then he won't have to worry about the mid-range game. Uh, like it'll open up from uh, by virtue of his three point shooting, uh, he should be able to get open. I'm assuming he's going to start next year, um, and so he'll he'll have open looks like playing next to these guys, and 
So it'll be all about his confidence, whether that, you know, the confidence from not just like Stacey King confidence where yeah. the shot goes in and you're confident. I'm saying like the confidence that he would get by improving his game to where he's more confident taking these shots in his, his second season uh, to where he can, he can just hoist them up and then not worry about uh, like coaching, telling him, telling him not to. Um, but I, you know, I said, like, I assume he's starting next year. I, maybe that's not the case because if his long-term position is power forward, um, maybe you start that young and, and Pat Williams is the, the, the backup power forward and you get like an actual wing like yeah. stopper in, in free agency. And that's, and that's your small forward. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I, what do you think about trading him is where I was going to go with this. Too. Okay. I think that, you know, that's, He's probably their best trade chip. You got to think. Yeah, right? uh, he but, is, definitely. And uh, so, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. I like Pat. I think that, uh, man, like looking at it now, though, and I was a proponent of Pat. I wasn't a big Halliburton guy at the time, mm-hmm. uh, but he would have been – they do sort of need that, like, connecting piece between Zach and Vooch. So he probably would have been a good pick. Uh but we'll see what happens with Pat. I mean, Pat could certainly end up as a better player than Halliburton still, even though Halliburton had a – a better rookie year. So I think it's really interesting with Pat. I like him more near the rim. That's all I'm going to say about his defense. I think the young Kawhi comparisons have been such a curse on him because like defensively, it's just not the same skill set. Kawhi was such a monster perimeter defender. Uh, I mean, how many players in our lifetime have drawn worthy Scotty Pippen comparisons in terms of being a perimeter defender? Not many. Oh, Kawhi- Hutchison. <laughs> uh, these are non-safe. Sorry, go ahead. Say, but, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that Pat's value is as providing, like, secondary rim protection. And it's as, uh, you know, sort of being able to force turnovers in the middle of the floor. I don't think it's really, like, shadowing the best players in the league. And he got that role just because, like, he's the same size as those guys. Someone's got to do it. Right. They didn't really have anyone else. Like, by default, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's been tough for Pat. I want to see him play a little bit more on the ball and the best thing that could possibly happen to him is that if he's going to stay on this team is that he can just become a more confident shooter, uh, because mm-hmm. you're not going to get to dribble the ball too much when you're playing with Vucevic and Levine. So whatever Pat thinks he can be in his head, uh, that might be different than the role he's going to be best at in the Bulls for next season when he's 20. As you've mentioned, he seems like a good team first player or whatever. I like hate myself right. for even saying yeah, he yeah. does seem like that uh, to a certain extent. So I'm excited about Pat, but I think he's absolutely on the table in the trade this year. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, it all speaks to like the whole timeline with his team. Like you mentioned, you know, they drafted Williams over Halliburton because they wanted, you know, they wanted the young, high upside player. But now after the Vucevic acquisition, now they're not like that young developing team anymore. They're, they're a team like in their, with, with all-stars in their primes that you're looking for more, more players who can help immediately. So, yeah, I, and Patrick Williams is so young, he's like decidedly not on that same timeline. I mean, his, his best years are probably, you know, four, five years from now. Uh, so, and where Vuce will be off the team or and maybe even like not even in the NBA at that point. So it, it it's a tough decision for Carsovas. I but it, it's definitely something that you know he's surprised. He, I think he surprised all of us with with the Vooch trade in the first place. So I, I shouldn't we shouldn't um, assume that just because he that this is his first like draft pick that Williams was his first draft pick that he's like untouchable. I think you're right. I think it's definitely possible that he gets 
traded for someone who can help right now. Everything he's done has been a surprise, quite frankly, yeah. and that's mostly because he works in silence. But yeah. when we got the news on our phone that they hired Billy Donovan. I think everyone was like, oh, my God, they got Billy Donovan. Yeah. Like, there wasn't any buzz about that. Uh, I'd say same thing with draft and Pat. Like, go back mm-hmm. a week. I write about the dra- I was writing about the draft every week. Never at any point did I think the Bulls were going to take. It was like a day or two. The buzz started. Yeah, it broke like the that. day before or something. Yeah. yeah. But I still didn't even really believe it at that point. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Patrick Williams, like, yeah, I guess he's he's rising to seventh, so it makes sense to take him before, I guess. But it was still just really surprising to see him that have that big of a leap. I think in the post draft process, and then obviously we were blindsided by the Vooch trade, blindsided by. Uh, you know, sending out Gafford, getting Tice and uh, Troy Brown, who's hopefully a guy next year. Uh, his With late season Gafford? injury right, right. sort um, of took the shine off him. But at one point, he was looking like a guy where, like, as you mentioned about Javante Green earlier, well, at least this guy can soak up minutes. Well, Troy Brown potentially can be that guy moving forward. Uh, yeah, they're in a tough spot. But one thing I want to ask, I don't know if Jason has uh, anything else in mind, but the last thing I got for you, Matt, uh, you know, I will get people, my friends, come up to me and they're like, what's the problem with that guy? He's so negative. Now, people say that to me is pretty <laughs> surprising because I'm super negative about the Bulls. But you have a way of just striking uh, a chord in fans. So I'm going to ask you, Matt, what are you excited about for, I guess, this offseason or more importantly, next year? What are you excited about the team right now? I, you know, you mentioned how Kyron Silvers works in silence, and I think the the excitement is that we really don't know what he's going to do because he's only surprised us so far. Uh, I was definitely down. I was definitely not excited after his first, you know, his first act was getting rid of Boylan, and he, I, I think he, like, totally screwed it up. He eventually got rid of him, but I thought it was, like, a total fiasco that it took two months. Uh, and then his first offseason was pretty terrible, I thought. Um but the trade deadline was, I mean, that was like a ballsy move by him. And it was, it just spoke to that. We really don't know what he's about. And I think like, it's tough not to get in that, that trap where based off of like the what very little he says to the media and his past history with, with uh, Denver that we know like what type of uh, executive he's going to be. I think a lot of it is uh, like people covering the team, just kind of assuming things about Carnage, uh, Carnage, was because, you know, he's European, he's going to, like, get a bunch of European players, or because he was uh, with Denver, they're going to, like, work the second round and stuff. Like, we we really don't know what he's going to do. So that's exciting in that so far all he, all he's done is, like, you know, big market, like, big balls type stuff. So if he continues with that, uh, that would be that, – that's something to look forward to. And I'm excited that we're not – I'm not, like, locking myself into, like, thinking it's the same old – uh, same old because I really don't know what Carter Soros is about because he doesn't say anything um, and he doesn't really do that much either until until he does and it's like really surprising so there there is still like that there's always going to be that negativity because like ultimately like Reinsdorf's still there and you know when talking about the back end of the roster um, I, I wonder if that's like a Reinsdorf thing I also am curious if you know, part of the reason they got Vucevic and they traded so much for him was because he's a, a star that's not paid like one. He's only making like $20 million. It's like de-escalating. And I wondered like that was part of the sell job. It's like, well, we get an all-star and he's like paid like Zach Levine. <laughs> uh, 
um, who's also like an underpaid all-star. Like maybe that was like the a real like driving factor of like why why they like targeted Vucevic as as the guy to to use all these assets for. So I mean like part of the negativity is that it's ultimately like a Reinsdorf production and there's you know all, all that comes with that in terms of like uh, cheapness and cronyism. <laughs> but I think the excitement is and being positive is that. Connor uh, Shelvers, we really don't know uh, what he's about. And I think when we read stuff about how, even what, what you're saying about like maybe uh, trading Patrick Williams, I think like people who cover the team, they are assuming that Patrick Williams is off the table because Carter like values the draft or whatever. And this is his first draft pick, but we really don't actually know that about him because he's never had this job before. So maybe he is the kind of guy who just like punts all his, first round picks and tries to get win now talent and realizes that, you know, stars win in this league. The Chicago Bulls should be acquiring stars. I think what little he said, I was very disappointed in his end of season press conference. It was very boring. He's just a talker. Yeah. He's just a boring guy. Uh, He doesn't say much. And the media doesn't really like try to get much more out of him, which is also disappointing. But he, he did like say like we have, you know, part of the reason to get a second star was to get a third one. And we're going to try to get that third piece by, you know, leveraging the fact that we have two, um, not talking, you know, not trying to say like, you know, we have flexibility or, you know, we're going to try to make like smart targeted choices and free agency. He, he basically said like, we want to get another star player. So that is exciting. So you can tell your friends uh, <laughs> that I'm excited about that. I I'll go a couple more. I gotta, yeah. uh, I'm excited to see a full season of Vooch. I thought Vooch was awesome. Yeah, uh, I do think that they likely overpaid for him. They might have paid 120% for him uh, with the picks, with Aminu. I do wonder, like, what if they were trading for Vooch this offseason? Like, if the Magic kept him? There's no way they're giving up two picks, Carter, mm-hmm. and taking back a bad contract. Like, I, so. I remember Karnaschovas gave a midseason press conference, and one of his direct quotes was, well, with the playing tournament, there's going to be a lot of teams that are desperate to get in because – uh, there's more availability to, you know, play meaningful basketball. Mm-hmm. The Bulls were the most desperate team. And I do applaud them for making it because it was a move Garpax never would have made, but they did, they paid quite a bit. So with that being said, though, Vooch rules. I mean, he's, he's a very good player. He was super rock solid after they got him. Uh, 20 and 10 pretty much every night. I was worried his shooting might fall off because before the trade deadline, he was posting like 40% three-point shooting for the first time in his career on pretty high volume. I think a year before it was like 33%. There's a big difference in the NBA between, you know, a 33% shooter and a 40% shooter, especially as you raise the volume. But his shooting was better than ever when he got on the Bulls, so that's exciting. I don't think his defense was a total disaster. And, like – the Bulls haven't really had a player like him in, like, maybe my whole lifetime. Like, I guess I guess Elton Brand would be the player who is most like him in terms of, like, uh, inside score you can feed the ball to, and he's just going to get a bucket. And Noah was awesome. He was a top-five MVP guy. He was not that level of player. You're going to discard Boozer like that? I was going to say they thought they were getting that in Boozer, but Boozer kind of right. sucked. How? So how <laughs> was sort of that. Yeah. Well, well sure. neither, but neither went out to the three-point line like Vucevic does. It like yeah, not, definitely insane, not as like volume, like you're saying. Yeah. So I'm excited about Vooch. I'm excited about what the Zach Vooch pairing looks like because we're all. 
obviously it's going to be the foundational element of the team next year, unless they add a player better than those two guys, which would be awesome. But we still don't really know what it looks like because Levine missed so much time in the second half of the season. So I'm excited to see, like, can this shit work? Can you have have, like an offense team, like an offense first team? Like we never see that with the Bulls um, where they like say like, we're going to be like, you know, forget, not, not so much forget defense, but like offense is going to carry us and not like this. We're going to have like one guy scoring the ball, but try to have like a a top five defense to, to carry us through. So that'll be exciting too, just to have, you know, like going with the trend of the, of the league is like, you know, threes, offense, um, ball movement, like, and uh, just get up shots. Right. I mean, the last few years, like we, with the Hoiberg thing they tried, they said that they were going to do all that. And like, but I don't think they've had a better offense than defense in a long time. Like, yeah. I feel like it's been a while. Like this year, their offense, I think was around 20th. And we saw mm-hmm. that their defense was like 12th. Like the offense is not good. Even with like Zach going off, uh, even like, I think that start of the year, it wasn't like that good. It was mediocre at best, even with Zach being so good. And obviously not having a lead guard probably played a role. So yeah. That, yeah. And I think even together, I didn't look towards the end of the year, but like before Zach got COVID, like the Zach Vooch minutes together, like they're like on court, like offensive rating was not good. And I think Zach just falling off offensively and like the, it was just bad timing. Like I don't want to make excuses for him, but like they make the trade and they had, they go on that West coast trip. Zach clearly like could barely move out there. Like he was clearly just hurting. So like, it will be nice to see them get that practice time and get a training camp together uh, and hopefully they add some other good parts in it. They should be, I think, a lot better offensively, and hopefully they'll actually have like a maybe a top ten offense or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, I've said I, I'm decently excited for next season. I'm semi optimistic. I think the expectation should be, uh, it should not be the plan. The expectation should be to make the playoffs and get whatever six, five, something like that. Maybe that's that's too much, but I think you got those two guys, and they should hopefully make other moves. Uh, I think those should be the expectations next season. If they fail to do that. I think that'd be disappointing. Obviously, they did. If it were, if they were to play in team, I would take it. If they finished like seventh or eighth, sure, I'll take any type of postseason basketball at this point. But the expectations should be high. They're the Chicago Bulls, damn it, big market, uh, two All Stars on their team. They should be. They should be better. Yeah, I mean the league is good. I mean there's lots of good players, yeah. and so it, it it'll be. They need a lot more. The Bulls need a lot more good they players. Do. So they, <laughs> they so do. hopefully like. In this offseason, they, they need, like, five guys. And uh, hopefully, like, Carter Silvers can come through and get and or get, like, one, like, star player and then nail, like, these minimum signings. Yeah. As much crap as I gave the Temple signing, it turned out, you know, it turned out to important. be a good signing. The yeah. problem was that was the only one. Yeah. Um, and he was relied upon, like, way too much. Way too so much. If, but, it show, but it shows that he does that, – that that was an example of having a good eye for, like, marginal fringe talent – so maybe if they do they like it. use all their cap, they use all their cap space uh, on a big on a big move. Like maybe they can adequately fill it in uh, with like the uh, like smaller exceptions or the minimums, and like have like more rotation players. And then also nail your two way signings, uh, guys at the very end of the bench to like get some prospects in the pipeline to soak up minutes or trade. Uh, for for more guys, I mean, it has to be like a it has to be like a continuous up and down the roster type of effort. I a lot of my like negativity towards the Bulls is that they just didn't show that effort. Like our backs, yeah. they were lazy, they were understaffed. I I think Karnschevitz like potentially could uh, do more, and he he has beefed up his staff a bit. 
Uh, but we'll have to see because he has to, a lot of work to do, and I want to yeah. see it like up and down the roster. Yeah. Well, um, there should be a decent amount of turnover for sure. We talked about that in our recent pods. We want to see a definitely good. I mean, at least five, like you said, maybe even more. That'd be yeah. good. Uh, I got a few, just a few quick things at the end here. Uh, when we talk about pet, trading Patrick Williams, somebody at Bloggable, and we talked about this on a recent pod as well, wrote a fan post about trading Patrick Williams for OG Ananobi. Did you read that? Did you? I, I don't know if you commented on that. I read through those comments a while ago, but uh, would you do that trade? I think there's a disclaimer at the bottom of the fan post to say that they do not express the opinion of, yeah. of me or or the blog as a whole. It's just that's just one. It's just one commenter's opinion. Yeah. No, it's a it's an interesting idea in that uh, I. Don't, I don't think they would the like specifically Ananobi like the Raptors would give him up, but uh, but maybe they pivot to a rebuild and they would. I don't know. And Sia- um, we've also talked about Siakam, but it is, Bulls try to make a trade like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. See. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I and I think what was um, more interesting about that was the idea that, and we we brought this up earlier uh, in this discussion was you know maybe point guard isn't the biggest need um, as much as a, a like a wing stopper or like a, a two way wing player. Uh, would be and and a lot of it could be just like who's the better option you know is is Siakam or Anobi better than um, Kyle Lowry I mean yeah probably even if point guard is seen as like the better the bigger need um, you could get away with you know start Kobe Kobe White at point guard where he just like you know doesn't barely brings the ball up and just like launches a bunch of threes but then you have like a two-way player on the wing and that would benefit the team more to replace those Patrick Williams minutes with a, a two-way player uh, in that position. So that, that's what I thought was interesting there. It was like not, not even so much uh, targeting specifically Ananobi, but yeah. the idea of upgrading, not, not instead of focusing on upgrading from Kobe White to a point guard, upgrading from Patrick Williams to, to another wing player. Yeah. Uh, and my last uh, general thoughts here, going back to the NBA playoffs, <laughs> How much did you enjoy watching Chandler Hutchison shit on the bolt and his and his TikTok exploits? And then, can you believe Cameron Payne is playing better than an? In, I guess Chris Paul is obviously injured, but Cameron Payne almost like I don't want to say single-handedly, kind of kept the Suns in a game and almost helped them beat the Lakers last night with Chris Paul injured. Can you believe, so basically, Hutch? How hilarious is that whole situation? Like, and just like what the fuck is what even happened with that? And then Cameron Payne, like, can you believe that he's actually like kind of good now? Like, un- unbelievable. Yeah, this is just this is like scrub corner. Um, yeah. So now we're talking about scrubs of Bulls recent past. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just kind of like think about like okay, what now? I don't like obviously I don't fault the Bulls for getting rid of the campaign after he didn't work out. Um, like not saying like oh they should have kept him because he, he he had this in him, but it, it is interesting like that the Suns could get something out of campaign, but the Bulls can't get something out of like any not even necessarily pain, but like anybody like that's the example of someone who's signed for the minimum, like they're still young, they're a project, like on the back end of the roster, you try them out, if, if, and it can potentially work out like where you're giving them playoff minutes like later in the season. Um, or it could work out, you know, where like Spencer Dinwiddie, where you just keep him on the roster, and then instead he goes to, to Brooklyn and, and Blossoms. So I, I don't believe it in campaign. I would have never – I would have thought like he was like definitely the type who's not going to have like this kind of like – uh, it's not even a renaissance because that would imply that he was once. He was good, good. once. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, but, so yeah, I, I don't specifically 
didn't specifically think it would happen with Payne, but it does speak to the idea that could happen with somebody that they pick up off the fringes and not to, I think like a lot of fans like turn their nose up at like the, these, like these fringe players in the back end of the roster, because like, you know, they don't move the needle. They're not going to make a difference when it comes to like a star or even like a, a role player off the bench. Like these guys at the end don't make a difference, but they, you know, sometimes they do you try. And then like a, a rare occasion, it, it does work out. You get Fred Van Vliet. He was undrafted, right? And he helps see the Raptors win a title. Yeah, these things can happen. Um, And, like, you know, and back to, like, the the selling of the second-round pick that became Jordan Bell. I mean, Jordan Bell did not pan out, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't worth it to make make a pick. And that's what we talked about Dylan Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. Yeah, Yeah. right, exactly. Um, And then, so now Hutchison, (laughs) another guy. (laughs) That's an example. I mean, not to harp, I mean, Garpax is gone, they're buried, um, don't have to harp on them, but that was an example of organizational laziness that they, like, punted on scouting and promised Hutchison, like, a month before the draft, just so they wouldn't have to, to work hard, I guess, and, like, try and find someone else. But I don't, so if with Hutch, at, yeah, it's annoying that he's, like, trying to, like, stunt on the polls that he, like, got some got some minutes in the season. Um, I'm all for like crapping on the bulls. Like that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've made it. I've made a. I think it's funny. A, I wouldn't say a living off it, but I made a, se- yeah. a secondary uh, hobby off of it. Uh, but the, what I don't, what I don't get is like the clearly the organization had his back for this whole, per, this whole personal issues thing that made him not play the last like six weeks he was on the team. Um, I don't know why he w- would be offended by the bulls trading him. Um, if they were also giving him this leeway to like not play, he hasn't said what it was. I, I, I initially thought it was something like, you know, minutes or his role. Or he was whatever. mad about it. And like, you're, and he was just mad yeah. about it. And yeah. to which, you know, then it's like fair to crap on him if that's yeah. what it was. But his repeated uh, insistence that it's not, and people who would know like beat report, beat reporters are not reporting on it, implying that it is something like not pertaining to basketball. I would hope they wouldn't like sit on it if it was basketball related. That would just yeah. be egregious. Um, then it was something personal. Okay, fine. So then why are you also, why are you like upset at the Bulls for trading you if they also were fine with, you know, they obviously uh, helped him through this in some way by like, they even let him like hang around the team, whatever was going on with them. So I don't know why he would like then like turn on them and say, well, I can't believe you guys traded me. Um, if any, if it did turn out to be like some menacing, the Bulls should come out and say like, they should like say as like a, like a retort back to him like, well, by the way, we you know you set out for personal reasons because you couldn't get, couldn't get playing time. Uh, so yeah, it was just it's just really weird that he would be against the team that traded him that also like allowed him to just not play for unspecified personal reasons for weeks. Yeah, I hope that's the last time we ever talk about Chad. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. Tonight he was, uh, I believe he was one of four minus seventeen. Uh, the wow. Wizards lost by twenty five points, and Russell Westbrook got popcorn dumped on his head by a, an idiot Philly fan. So g- great night for the Wizards. Uh, Ricky, I think we probably re- we should probably wrap it up here, right? <laughs> you got anything else? Yeah, uh, Matt, we'll let you we'll let you shout out uh, your lovely website and your Twitter account and whatever yes. anything else you want to. It's been a pretty dormant week, but uh, bloggable dot com go there it's going to be a big off season we're going to have stuff about everything uh the draft free agency we're going to have lots and lots of posts um and yeah 
and I'm and I'm genuinely excited going going into this off season. So hopefully that comes through in the writing. Um, maybe people will miss like my rants about <laughs> why they have to fire everybody. Uh, but I think writing positively about team. If they do positive stuff, I'll write positive. Right, exactly. A lot of people complain. Why don't you be more more positive? It's like. If they do good shit, we'll say good shit. But if they do, if they're garbage and trash, we're gonna fucking say they're garbage and trash. It's that simple. Yep. So like, uh, I guess you did mention. I I know you wrote about the the draft pick thing. There was, and you kind of mentioned it at the top, uh, the lottery tiebreakers. The Bulls did get to the eighth spot between like the Pelicans and Kings. Doesn't mm-hmm. really matter for them. Does not change the lottery odds to move in the right. top four or get number one at all. They're still twenty point three percent to keep the pick. Still 4.5% to get number one. I believe it did have something to do with the second rounders, though. Yeah, so there's also a tiebreaker for the second round. And uh, quickly, I know we're at the end here, but the the winner of the tiebreaker in the first round was the loser in the second round, so they flip it in the second round. So the Bulls actually got the lowest of those three in the second round, but they owned a pick swap with the Pelicans, who ironically were that, like, first in that (laughs) grouping, uh, back from the Miritich trade. Uh, when they traded uh, Nico to New Orleans. So they actually, the Bulls got the 40th selection, but through this pick swap, they're back up to 38. So there you go. They got the 38 pick. 38 pick again. Garpax's pick uh, board dries up at 38. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure how current services will go. Hopefully it does not. I would hope not. They took Jokic, what, 46? They'll get the next Jokic at uh, 38 this year, right? There you go. We're still waiting on, what's his name, Marco Simonovic? Yeah. I don't know what his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll take Lowry's spot in a few years. Uh, all right, yeah, we'll wrap it up now. That, we went for a while here. That was good stuff, though. Uh, Matt, thank you, as always. Always great to have you on. Uh, good timing for it at the end of a disappointing bowl season, but we are we are kind of excited, kind of. I'll say we're kind of excited for the uh, for the off season and for the next bowl season. Uh, so thank you again uh, for us here at Cash Considerations, Ishai Wolf's Pod. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network uh, with the playoffs going on. Tons of great pods and all that great stuff. NBA coverage across the Blue Wire Network. Uh, for us at Cash, please rate and review us. Let us know how we're doing. On Twitter, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Uh, so thanks again to Matt for joining us. Uh, and we will talk to you guys next time. Obviously, the playoffs going on. A lot of fun fun games going on. And uh, go Knicks, as uh, horrible as I did to say. But uh, it's been a fun series. A lot of fun games going on. So we'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.